It's here, the first Ghostbusters interdimensional cross-rip t-shirt, featuring front art by Dapper Dan Shonen. Wear your support for the podcast with pride. Proceeds from sales will go to keeping the lights on and not to putting beer in our stomachs. Men's and women's styles are available. Visit GhostbustersHQ.net slash shop to buy yours today. I like that shirt, friend. Hey there, fellow conductors of the Metaphysical Examination. Welcome to the cross for the week of March the 12th, 2018. We have a very jam-packed show for you. We're going to be talking about the Ghostbusters live orchestral performances that are going to be touring around the country. We're also going to be talking about some shakeups happening at IDW Comics. And then in the last part of the show, we're going to be talking about the Ghostbusters annual from IDW that just came out. It's a wonderful 50-page story. you got to read it. We're going to do some spoiler-filled discussion. Stay tuned. Toys.net presents the Ghostbusters Interdimensional Crossroad, the biggest podcast since 1909. So free. News, interviews, and commentary on everything Ghostbusters. Are you the key master? Here are your hosts, Troy Benjamin and Chris Stewart. I think these people are completely nuts. Woo! It was kind of like it was a, a thought piece mixed with a little bit of academic research and stuff like that like it had some sources and all that kind of laid it out that and you know there's a stage in our lives and i was like i've been i've been talking about this openly for you know about five or six years now i kind of saw it before but kind of accepted in the last five or six years especially once thomas came along that i'm like there is a finite amount of stuff in the world but it is about you know, whatever, arbitrarily, ten times more than I can ever access and process before before I kick off. Like we're now at this point where people are telling me, like, "Oh, Breaking Bad's great. You got to watch it." I'm just like, "I'm sure it is." I'm, you know how I'm many not gonna, hours of television that is. I'm not. Gonna, I'm not going to tell you otherwise. But I'm at this point, like, it's time to start laying bets. So I'm like, I'm not probably not going to see Breaking Bad before I die. I'm probably not going to see The Wire before I die. Like, like, I have to pick and choose. And not only that, I have to pick and choose stuff that is firmly in my wheelhouse like breaking bad and the wire is not stuff i normally kind of watch but if it was good i'd watch it uh but i kind of always led myself more to the more fantastical and genre type stuff and even now i'm sitting there going no like i, I don't keep up with the arrow so I, I tune in for the crossovers and, and you know synopsis and important ones but i'm like i'm never gonna see it. god and well yeah. and, and spinoff after spinoff after so legends there was Arrow, then Flash, then Legends. Now you've got Black Lightning, and it's just uh, it's the same yeah. with the Marvel stuff. There's no possible. I am still three series behind on the Marvel Netflix stuff, just because I need time yep. to sit down and absorb them. And uh, yeah, and I like it. Like a good I, was trying to keep, I, I guess exactly. But this is this is why I'm I'm confused when people do the oh that looks awful or etc. It's and I. I this is what I came, kind of came away from the article with. This is like I realized that people who people who actively complain about something in advance of it, or persist in complaining about it after it's out. I mean, that's their right. But what it is is they 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 still just haven't grasped the fact that so what. 
go 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 to what you like go to something else watch it's it's not like it's not like you're sitting there going look i got eight hours of free time every day and there's only two hours of stuff to watch and that hour sucked so i'm mad about it no yeah i've got a a netflix queue that's full i've got a read pile of comic books over here that's stacked you know six feet tall Uh, i mean i still haven't seen black panther there's just so much that has to happen that's the bit that baffles me. I moved when I moved house over a year and a half ago. I picked up my uh, 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 you know uh, my comic account for the last time at one place, and set up again at the next place uh, closer to home. And I've been picking it up for a year and a half, and it's piling up. Again, I am now sitting there going. I've been getting Hellboy all along, but I'm not caught up. I'll, I'll sit down at some point and I'll have a, Hell, a Hellboy fan. Yeah, just binge through them. Yeah. <laughs> right. But but I'm I'm doing with my comic polls what I do with everything else now. It's like, all right, well, I am re- I will regularly read, you know, uh, Atomic Robo when it comes in and stuff like Like of the whatever it is, 12 titles I'm getting right now, uh, there's three that I'll, I'll read when they come in. And the rest, I don't know. I'll get to it at some point, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> I hope. Yeah, I just uh, yeah. I don't know. It's like this is this is the sad part of this being the golden age, and it is. It is a new golden age, uh, particularly you know for you know movies and uh, film and television uh, as a whole, but it's particularly genre stuff. Sure. But, yeah. Um, and this comes this comes out of our last point about where's all this money coming from? Well, it's everything's getting the most for the least so creators are trying to squeeze everything they can out of a shrinking budget budget dollar which means we are getting you know um uh we're getting a, a, a smorgasbord of stuff some hit some miss but oh it's a cacophony of choices yes yeah, uh, so and much. all of it even the worst of it better than what the 70s fed us on television oh, this is and God, this is what far. confuses actually blows 80s and 90s out of the water. I love Babylon 5 and Babylon 5 stands up because Straczynski put together a really amazing world and characters and dialogue but let's be and the designs of the ships and all that are, are great That so it, it, it has a longevity to it but oh you look back at it you look back at the first seasons of TNG and you're like oh, it's so dated <laughs> like, yeah. and I'm sure this stuff will too sort of thing but it's like but right now like like, like listening to people complain about uh, the Cloverfield paradox, and I'm like, yeah, I I understand that they just grabbed and you know ten Cloverfield Lane, and it's like, I I understand you might not like them or there's a weakness to them. I think Paradox is taking a lot more hits than uh, Cloverfield Lane did, sort of thing. But I'm yeah. like, but trying to imagine twenty years ago, if I sat you down and said, look, there's going to be this low budget kaiju movie somebody's actually going to attempt to make the blair witch of godzilla movies and it's actually going to be kind of interesting to watch and even though that doesn't it doesn't set the world on fire star wars wise they then go out and try to find these backdoor pilot versions of movies that they can kind of semi-rebrand to try and give you a little bit more of the universe like 
I don't know. I'm sitting here going, you got to applaud the attempt at least. Oh, it's- yeah. I mean, I'll, I'll take that one step further. You're going to be watching the Super Bowl one day, and there's going to be a commercial for something that you're like, oh, my God, I didn't know that that was coming. And it's available right now at the touch of a button, and you had no idea. I mean, that's the thing is all these people that were like, I didn't know that this was hitting. And then they watch it. And they're like, I was not pleased with this. You didn't know it existed five you minutes ago. You didn't know it existed. Like, who uh, cares, yeah. right? Like, it's just – Anyway. Uh, you literally your emotional investment was 30 seconds <laughs> was, you can't even complain that you've been spot. following this yeah. for a year and a half or something right uh, like at yeah. least with the star wars i understand that right or wrong some people perhaps project a little too much hopes and dreams into way too long of a, a yeah, pro- you're prolonged process it, you're mulling over it you're chewing over every tiny detail and that if it gets to yeah. the end and it doesn't fit your head i i think there's other issues at play there that should be examined but i get it it's been a long haul it wasn't what you wanted you're sad then you found out on one day that something was coming out and it's available the next and then you spend an hour and a half and watch it and go that sucks it's like but then you're mad about it it's like why yeah which applies to ghostbusters too which is why we're here to talk about i think so ghostbusters boy that was a hell of a ramp up that's okay i mean we need to start we you know what we need to do we need to start a patreon and then for a buck a week we'll give people the you can hear 30 minutes minutes or 30 minutes of rambling and i don't i'm just gonna broadcast (laughs) all of that I think it was all good. It's all gold. All right, go for it. Uh, but yes, this week we are talking Ghostbusters, despite our ramp up there. I mean, it, it's all sort of tangential, but it at the same time is related back to Ghostbusters because we are living in this golden age of, of content. And that's why we have a weekly Ghostbusters podcast right now, because it's a golden age of content that's exactly yeah. catered to your needs and wants. And here we are talking about Ghostbusters for an hour. But uh, yeah, this week we're going to talk about Ghostbusters Annual, which came out uh, this past week. Uh, it's on shelves. It's fantastic. We're going to talk about that, but we'll do it at the end of the show. So if you're afraid about spoilers, if you haven't read the uh, issue yet, uh, we'll we'll save that for you guys. Don't don't sweat that. Um, and then uh, yeah, we have some news here. We have some breaking news as we are uh, recording this right now, which is going to be an interesting discussion topic <laughs> too. Get ready for Finally. twenty or thirty minutes of tangential. We get real tired. Get real tired of news dropping the day, the day, <laughs> day after. after we yeah. Well, and and our first news item out of the gate here, you're going to hear is something that again literally happened the day after we recorded our podcast, and that just seems to be par for the course. I guess we just need to start recording on Friday nights, is the way it ends. But yeah, uh, podcast party, podcast Fridays. Uh, anyway, all right. So let's launch into the news because I also want to talk to you about this breaking news. Uh, I, I, you and I are going to talk through this because I have been down the rabbit hole, Chris, and I don't know what's real and I don't know what's fake, and we'll just have to sort it out. But uh, here we go with the news. Hey guys, Peter. I have some news from the world of Gozer. I got some pretty cool stuff cooking up over here. If you want to turn your head, multiplanar curly and emanation. Now, well, here's your next month's cover of GQ. Check out the aura on this sucker. Let's start with happy news, Chris. Let's start with fun news. This is the stuff that I mentioned uh, was re- was announced and released quite literally moments after we recorded last week. Uh, and again, we had a full show last week, so it didn't make sense to break into the broadcast and, and talk about it. But uh, this is pretty cool. Uh, Ghostbusters Live. Ghostbusters the musical. I don't. What are we going to call this? Uh, Ghostbusters the Ghostbusters live, live touring show, maybe. Ghostbusters Live sounds good. Well, you've... 
being LA boy, you, you actually have access to these far more than I, because, and actually far more than other parts of the country, because it is quite popular to do it at the Hollywood bowl. Yes. And it's wonderful when they do it. Oh, it's so Ladies much fun. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Hollywood bowel. <laughs> um, <laughs> the bowels, the bowels, you, you, and I don't, I, that was not necessarily random. You saw Monty Python. So Monty, so there's been a couple that we've actually seen at the yeah. Hollywood Bowl. So if you're not familiar with it, I know that people have been starting to see them because Jurassic Park is touring, doing the same thing. Um, but what they do is they they show the movie on a giant screen at a big theatrical auditorium, and then a live studio orchestra plays in front of you all of the underscores. So. Uh, I've seen uh, Monty Python in the Quest of the Holy Grail for, uh, for the Holy Grail, Raiders of the Lost Ark, uh, Nightmare Before Christmas, which was wonderful because Danny Elfman was there and Catherine O'Hara sang and Paul Rubin sang and um, it's it's such a fun time and it's a way to experience a movie that you've watched a million times in a new way to a point where you're watching it and then you sort of like uh, there's, there's this little thing in the back of your head that goes, Oh wait, there's a live orchestra playing this music right now. And then you look down and you see the conductor that's playing the music and yeah, it's just, it's such a wonderful thing. So <laughs> you were wonderful. You were the best in, in your row. You were the best in your row. Oh, you're good. Uh, so, so if you haven't heard it's, it's been pretty widespread, but we'll fill everybody in really quickly here. Um, yes. Elmer Bernstein's son, Peter, who was also an orchestrator on the music for the, the original film, See, the orchestra. I mean, he's trained, but I, th- I when I tried to read up on him, I, I think he's more of like a world class guitarist. Is what it comes yeah, down to. So here's here's my understanding of it. Well, I'll, I'll fit. So uh, Peter Bernstein is going to be conducting a live orchestra on a touring show of Ghostbusters, where they're going to have the orchestra playing the music underneath the film. Uh, so you can go and experience yes. the film with with the orchestra. But um, I guess, God, I guess it's okay for me to talk about this. So Peter Bernstein. Uh, he's an orchestrator for conductors, uh, for composers. So, for example, when John Williams goes in to score uh, Star Wars uh, 9, he will compose themes, he will sort of jot some notes down, and then he will hand those off to an orchestrator who will then put the pieces together for the trumpets and the timpanis and the oboes and and putting all of these things together. And then also we'll be keeping up with all of the notes that come in. So when the movie is being edited, they'll send this to the orchestrator. The orchestrator will sit there and f- sort of work through all of the transposed, uh, transcribed right. music, right? So, so if I'm... I'm an idiot. So if I were to transpose this over to what little I know about, say, popular recording... Uh, John Williams uh, would be the the pop star. Yeah, the guy, yeah. The John guy Williams is like, like your Billy Joel who he's, writes he's, the he's, song. He's he's got his little he's got his notes or he's got the tape recorder of him humming or strumming some stuff, and then Peter Bernstein would be the the producer. The because when you listen to pop music, it's one half artist, one half producer, yeah. and what the producer brings to the table is got it but I will now, I know where to fill it in. I know where we'll put auto tune for effect. I know where we'll put our backup singers. Yeah. That's uh, I know kind where of, we'll lay a beat kind of. Yeah. It's, it's that same sort of, yeah. Like if, uh, if you've watched hired gun, the, uh, Ray Parker jr. Featuring documentary that talks about all the session musicians, these guys that come in 
Billy Joel's got a new album. He brings in the best guitarist. He brings in the best drummer. He brings in the best keyboard player. Uh, yeah. He plays the song for them, and then they kind of work through all of the parts for for the song. It's the same sort of thing, but for a studio orchestra to do score for a, a major motion picture, you have an orchestra of sometimes 200, 300 players. So who yeah. is giving all of those, you know, th- uh, that uh, alto saxophone, who is getting that part to that alto saxophone uh, player? So um, you have, it's a, it's a Beatles, George Martin partnership kind of yeah, thing. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So, right. and the reason I bring it up is we, uh, I've in a very small part, am so happy to have kind of been a part of this is uh, the USC film archives, uh, has in existence uh, a lot of film scores and sheet music and, and a whole bunch of things. And uh, for, for two reasons, I went into the USC Film Library to uh, find some of that for the Buenos for their Cleaning Up the Town documentary, uh, but also to help Ghost Corps to make sure that all of those uh, sheet music uh uh, all of the different parts and the master conductor score and all of those things, if they still existed somewhere. And, and I found some wonderful notes where like Peter Bernstein had written on the top of a couple of sheets, like dad, check this out. Lots of changes. Love Peter, you know? And, and so he was giving oh. notes to so his he, father. He actually worked with his technically worked with his dad on this. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So, okay. So this is more than just a nepotism. Like, well, he's the son of Elmer Bernstein. No, yeah. he actually worked on ghostbusters. And I'm hoping that we can kind of get into this a little bit more with him. Hint, hint, wink, wink, nudge, nudge in the future. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah. So, so he is, he's not just, he's not, once removed by bloodline, he actually uh, is, did yeah. work on the film. And if you if you look at the credits, Peter is credited as the orchestrator in, in the end credits of the film. So you know, I never I never even noticed that. Yeah, it's it's pretty cool. And and Peter, you're right. Is he he kind of went his own path and and did a solo career in in guitar and um and and doesn't really do film <coughs> score anymore. But I think you know, in order to honor his father's legacy and the legacy of the film and yeah, it's really cool to have him being that person that's going around and kind of ushering this, this, uh, around the tour. Now we don't know any logistics about the tour yet, except that it starts in the fall, uh, and they have not released locations, but I would imagine at one point, God, I hope the Hollywood bowl is going to be part of it, but, uh, <laughs> I would imagine that it's going to be something for the anniversary next year. So it will probably yeah. run fall through the following year. I'll um, tell you right now, this is on the short list of things that I might actually travel to. I, I mean, and you may to not have experience. to. It may come to Vancouver. That's the other thing. Is it well, sounds we, like they're we really do setting have, it up. We do have a wonderful orchestra. I think that's the amazing thing right now is I think I think people take it for granted, but most major cities have you know high class to world class uh, orchestras oh, in them. so absolutely absolutely um and that's um, that's that's who these players will be so <coughs> you know peter bernstein will travel to that city and if you go to uh colorado you will see the colorado symphony orchestra uh be playing yeah. I, I just pulled colorado in my head cuz it's my hometown i don't i'm not confirming colorado as <laughs> a location please don't quote me on that but um yeah, well, I, it, it comes down to one of two. It's either seated at the hall. I mean, all of them sound great, but at the top of the uh, the awesome list would be uh, live at the Hollywood Bowl or with the New York Philharmonic. Oh, for man. obvious either reasons. way, yeah. If it's at Lincoln Center for obvious oh, reasons, uh, oh, it has to. It's gotta be. Yeah. You know what? There, we haven't had one in ages. Podcast bet. Uh, it has to be at Lincoln Center, and if they don't. 
you've dropped the ball, Sony. Like we were embarrassed. <laughs> Unless it's at Carnegie Hall or someplace huge like that. But I, I don't know if yeah. this is... Well, Lincoln Center's not tiny, though. No, Lincoln so, Center's huge, yeah. And um, and it has, come on, just to be able to go watch that movie and then step outside and have, like, you know, hundreds of, of film slash uh, orchestra fans, you know, turning on <laughs> in the spot next to the fountain. By that come fountain, on. yeah. Um, now, can I ask a quick question before you proceed? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, when you saw these other ones, I'm assuming, but you know what they say about asses and you and me, um, is it a version of the film where they removed the score then? Yes. Yeah. So what okay. it is, is it's, it's, they've isolated out. And, and so with Raiders of the Lost Ark, it ended up being kind of wonky because there's a music and effects track that I think they pulled out. So some of the, the sound effects that you're used to were a little different. They do. A, right. There are these companies and it's the same company that did, I think Raiders of the Lost Ark is doing Ghostbusters. I'll have to double check that. Don't, don't quote me on it, but, um, so they create these special broad or uh, performance versions of the film where the conductor is up there with a click track, you know, with their, their reference and they're watching the film down so that they know when to start the cues and things like that. But yeah, it's, it's a version of the film with the music completely removed. So that also begs the question, if they're removing the music, what they did with nightmare before Christmas, they removed all of the music. So they had to perform all of the, uh, the vocal songs as well. So, right. You know, when, when Sally sings in nightmare before Christmas, they stop the movie, the conductor turns around and he says, ladies and gentlemen, Catherine O'Hara and Catherine O'Hara walks out. Everybody applauds, stands up and cheers. They calm everyone. And then the movie starts back up and then Catherine O'Hara starts singing her song. Um, so I wonder, I mean, it is the anniversary coming up, and Ray Parker Jr. I, will Ray be there. Parker Jr.'s yeah. got to be there, right? Like for that montage, they're going to be like, "Ladies and gentlemen, Ray Parker Jr.," and he'll come out, and I'll be like, "Oh my god, oh my god!" Just, ladies and gentlemen, air supply. What? <laughs> what is going on here? Yeah, wait, ladies uh, and gentlemen, Mick Smiley. Mick Smiley. That's where I was going next. <laughs> Makes my life. I hate this song. I hate everything about this song. I wish I never wrote it. Well, it <sighs> depends on where they. Yeah. See, here's the thing. Uh, it's not as bad as it was on Ghostbusters two, but prior to the Azkaban Records, what the hell's their name? ASCAP? What do you ASCAP? No, the Arista? the company that no the company that put out the limited edition Elmer Bernstein. Oh, oh, uh, uh, Sarabon. Thanks, Free Sarabon. Yeah. Azkaban, the prisoners of Azkaban <laughs> Records. When they put it, um, prior to that, that's all we had was people that took the laser discs or any five point one source and, and pulled, pulled the, the music, music out. Yeah, and in them you could hear some sound effects. So I suspect again in Ghostbusters we're going to run into they're going to have to rep- and i think that's probably what they see as the path of least resistance is pull the music track out and then just refoley back in the however you know what i mean like that's the it's easier to do that and then add back in some sound effects yeah, than it is to yeah i mean unless i i know that they just did a dolby atmos mix for Ghostbusters oh, for the 4K, so they may have separated go. stems Maybe. where it's going to be a little bit easier. But um, that could be easier. But yeah. then, but then it, it leads to what we were joking about: is Ray Parker Jr. definitely again? That's 
at least in like, some of the locations. He may not show yeah. up to some of uh, some of them, but uh, you know, if, if there's a big shit, like if if there is a Lincoln Center or a Radio City Music Hall show or something, you you bet Ray Parker Jr. is going to be there. But yeah, but again, I bet you most every town has somebody that they could bring in to cut some licks on a guitar. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. Some, um, or, or have, yeah, have a local performer come in and say to perform the theme song, ladies and gentlemen, our own, whatever, Jake Schroeder, we, whoever it ends up you, being. You and, I, you and I know after all these years that at any given time, the list of, of named bands that love covering it on tour just for fun. Like to be able to do a performance, say in London and say, you know, ladies and gentlemen, McFly and they come out, right. Yeah. They rip it up and the way they go, you know what I mean? Like, and those guys, we know for a fact would probably die to do that. Absolutely. I mean, I, I think that's a given. And, and the thing that I didn't also mention is the nightmare before Christmas show. Again, it's, it's different because they show it on Halloween and it's, it's a huge thing. Um, but you know what they end up doing is like, so they show the whole movie and they do put a, um, uh, an intermission in there, uh, you know, just to sort of like, uh, for people to have a chance to get away and, and, uh, you know, it's, it's also kind of long because the orchestra has to play for two hours straight or whatever. Um, but so at the end of nightmare before Christmas, Danny Elfman was the conductor. He turns around and he goes, ladies and gentlemen, my friend, Steve Bartek. And Steve Bartek comes out, and then they played a whole set of Oingo Boingo songs. You know? Well, like, yeah. So, so that's also a possibility too that if Ray Parker Jr. happens to be there, he comes out at the end to perform the theme song for the end credits, and then the band happens to be there and they play a full set or something. I, yeah, I don't know. It could be really um, cool. Let's see. <clears throat> Air Supply was in headphones. So you could treat that as a sound effect and just put it back yeah, in. Yeah, that probably doesn't get performed. The Bus Boys have bus to perform boys, somewhere. Yeah, bus Boys. I, I mean, if Mick Smiley didn't hate <clears throat> his life because of Ghostbusters, he would probably show up. But Yeah, although, again, that one is such a an atmospheric 80s electro emo thing that, again, you could probably invite guests on. Yeah. The Alessi Brothers, I bet they would probably... <clears throat> yeah, yeah. They would do Saving the Day. What else? Yeah, Saving the Days would... Yeah, Saving the Day would be a, a good one. What? Nothing else on the soundtrack really features yeah, that heavily, yeah, does Hot it? Hot Night is only for like two seconds. Yeah. Um, that's really it. That's really yeah, Ray, the, the Ray, theme song. Ray Parker Jr., Bus Boys, and possibly the Alessi Brothers... And I mean, I see that as a New York slash LA given, right? Like that's your, that's your, your one night only. Here's everybody kind of thing. That's the signature Um, one right there. Yeah. And, and, you know, there's, like you say, the New York, uh, LA ones, I would bet that's when uh, Ivan Reitman comes out to introduce the film and Dan Aykroyd comes out in intermission and, you know, those are going to be the big shows. uh, I'll tell you right now, that would be amazing Blu-ray feature too, is to do the picture in picture. Oh, and see, oh. see and hear the orchestra play live, and then yeah, play with the 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 performance uh, music track oh. with the movie on the big screen. God, that's also the way that we could get score for Ghostbusters two. 
if they ever did this for the second movie. Yeah. Have the orchestra exactly. just sit there and play the sheet music and then, hey, we have a version <laughs> of the Ghostbusters 2 score that we can actually sell. Uh, well, now, I have one last question about this whole thing. And I'm wondering if if you uh, if you know where I'm heading know. with this. Uh, maybe. I'll try. I brought it up when we first heard about it. I, I did a poll, so I mentioned it. Oh, okay. All right. It's all, it's all Go about ahead. Go ahead. the Funky Bridge song. <laughs> <laughs> who, who is gonna get down and do the judgment day uh, I mean they're gonna have to have like a well, you keep that, talking I'm just gonna keep I'm making there's a the very specific like synthesizer they use for the that that tone that you hear at the very beginning of the movie so I bet they're gonna have one of those they're gonna have to have an electric guitarist because that, is that a confirmed theremin? I'm pretty I, sure it's a. Well, it's it's like a it's it's a, a Japanese synthesizer. The one at the very beginning when you see the Columbia logo, that one. Oh, the. That yeah, that little tone. That's that's definitely not a theremin. That's a, a synthesizer. There I was thinking. Of, I was thinking of Dana's later theme. that like. <clears throat> Dana's theme has the. Um, uh, actually, a, a couple of songs have the theremin, but Dana's theming. That's what's. That's what I love most about Dana's theme is that yeah. in a movie about ghosts, there is a love theme, and the love theme keeps the creepy theremin, <laughs> and somehow makes it quite beautiful. Yeah. But, but at the same time, there is a family of instruments that produce similar noises, uh, like yeah, um, Star Trek. The Star Trek theme song is not a woman singing; it is actually a keyboarded analog theremin-esque yeah, sound but it it's, maybe it's something <clears throat> like that i don't know if it's actually a proper theremin but i don't know we'll see maybe they do end up playing a, a theremin or like some sort of cool laser theremin or something that, maybe uh, it, it actually sounds a lot like a theremin like a like the reason why star trek people mistake it as a is vocals is because it actually is these distinct key presses whereas in a theremin there is that drag as you, it's like yeah, sliding your thumb up and down the, a yeah. guitar key yeah. or a guitar string, a guitar key. Me no yeah, music no. good. Guitar keys. Playing. Dan Amrick is like pounding yeah. his keyboard right now. Like, guys, <laughs> for the love of God. Uh, it's like sort of like uh, the, or, or, you know, or on synthesizers where they have that distortion uh, uh, wheel that uh, slides it up and down sort of thing. A theremin is the same thing. Like you can kind of play distinct notes by kind of taking the volume off with the one hand. But most of the time, the reason it has this distinct sound is it is this ghostly. It's this continuous tone that you just move around. Um, God, there's so like, don't get me wrong. I'm, I'm pleased as punch that you went and saw, uh, you know, Holy Grail and Jurassic Park and all that. But those were straight up orchestrations. There's not, there's the, 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 the music is iconic and that would be amazing to see with an orchestra. But again, as we sit here and talk about even nightmare before um, Christmas, where it has these, we'll have these performers come out and sing bits. It's kind of nothing compared to the fact that we're talking about, okay, a we're going to start with Elmer Bernstein and Elmer Bernstein is like John Williams class yeah, film yeah. history. Uh, um, Oh, Magnificent Seven. Magnificent and, Seven, uh, all that stuff, Yeah, right? exactly. I mean, all of the uh, comedies, Three stripes. Amigos and Stripes and, yeah. 
Um, that was the, the amazing thing about doing the Harold Ramis thing is suddenly realizing how often Harold or uh, Elmer Bernstein shows up on all of their movies. Um, um, but so you start with him and then you move into the fact that he incorporated both a theremin and these weird synths and a little bit of like that transitory disco jazz funk yeah, kind of music, poppy right? stuff that was replaced poppy, by all know. of the needle drop songs but yeah yeah rhythm yeah. rhythm get like the the funky bridge is the bit that survived you know it's it's got rhythm guitar along with his ho- orchestral horn section and then you know ray parker jr was you know created this monster and the bus boys were not far behind him because in the mtv era these guys these guys who again 80s had this weird thing about playing you know throwback music made this you know this 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 funky little you know dance hall uh you know borderline big band yeah, kind song. of rhythm and blues yeah, yeah rhythm and blues big band song kind of run through the 80s pop mill that in itself you know the record companies threw enough of a budget to hire uh what's his name from letterman but uh, uh, Paul Paul Schaefer, right? N- no, not well. Yeah, I mean, definitely. I, I don't know if he was involved or not. But in the video, it has that uh, oh, that crazy yeah, old guy. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, <clears throat> they shot a video for MTV, and oh, it, it actually did yeah. okay. <laughs> like, yeah, and, so, and such a weird, obscure kind of theme. Yeah. So I mean, it's it's the good just, news is it's a celebration of the music. All of this kind of and. Uh, and all of the people we did see one of the judges on, was it the voice? Uh, was it Blake? I can't remember which one it was, but somebody said like, I only have country music and the ghostbusters Two soundtrack on my iPod. Like the, the ghostbusters <laughs> soundtracks are, are something that people have been listening to for decades now. Yeah. So this celebration of the music is going to be great. Um, I just, just, just to sit there and then they throw a spotlight on somebody in a tux playing radio waves you know what i mean like oh my god (laughs) in front of my favorite movie i'm like i i'd pay money to see that alone and that's before you get to oh by the way ray parker jr's here and uh i don't know uh who are the who mistake who mistake will be uh standing in for (laughs) who mistake will tour with everybody (laughs) Yeah, we'll fill we'll fill in we'll fill in the holes. That's great. We'll do that, guys. Uh, I'm thinking about the merchandise too. The t-shirts, the hats. The that's going to be a lot of fun too. Uh, you know, if they if up. they do Broadway recordings, and sell them. Oh God, why? I wish they'd do it for this. That would be awesome. I don't. I, I there's really got to be rights things about that. But yeah. So um, so anyway, so uh, we do have a lot of other stuff. Out. We'll move on. Uh, but. Uh, <laughs> So yeah, look for more information on that uh, within the next few months, I would imagine, especially since they're going to start these in the fall. We'll probably have uh, some news, at least on a few of the first few locations uh, shortly here. So stay tuned for that. Um, Okay, so two quick news items, and then we'll get into this IDW chat, which is kind of the hot news item at the moment. Um, So uh, here's a quick, great story out of Philadelphia. Michael Jr., who is a four-year-old, has been helping his baby twin brothers with a bone marrow transplant. This was something that you had posted, Chris, to social media this week, and it's awesome. He is basically saving his brother's lives. Um, and it's just, it's such a sweet story and he's being so selfless and he's like, you know, whatever I can do to help my twin brothers, um, I am more than happy to do in four year old speak. I I was being far more articulate because basically what he has said in return for saving his brother's lives, he wants to, and I quote, 
go on the airplane to Ghostbusters. And uh, then they kind of describe Ghostbusters is what he calls their Dave and Busters that's just down the street. And I'm guessing airplane means to get strapped into his car seat and drive down the street to go to Dave and Busters. Um, So this family set up a GoFundMe account uh, to help with the the transplant and uh, for Michael Jr. Uh, But Chris, you brought up a really great point. He wants to get on an airplane to the Ghostbusters. I'm thinking if anybody's out there listening somewhere down the street from me in Culver City, it would be really great for Dave to take his or um, for Michael to take his two brothers. Uh, I was Dave, he's Dave and Buster's for Michael to yeah. take his two brothers uh, down the street to the airport and hop on a plane and actually get to go see the real Ghostbusters. That would be pretty awesome. Yeah, it. Um obviously the you know this is it's been uh, you know kind of a protracted and uh financially stressful situation for the you know you got two uh two kids that have had trouble since they were newborns uh and you know transplant operations and and you know uh taking care of them up to that yeah, point in and, and all that hospitals and- not not cheap so they are <clears throat> you know they are hopeful and and you know, thrilled and feel very fortunate that they've got a little guy that has no problem. He's four. Yeah. Like it's kind of amazing that I mean that's that's kind of the amazing. And bone marrow, four year olds, the, the four year olds bone marrow and four year olds can be little jerks. Like if you turn their <laughs> your back on them in a bowl of candy, it will be gone <laughs> but when it comes to these other things that that adults will stop and think about before answering they're they're in like a dirty shirt it's kind yeah, of amazing yeah and in listening to this they i read the article and they talked about you know they got to get through all of this first it's still an ongoing process and they're not even at the transplant yet and they you know then they have to wait to see how uh the how uh, long it takes for the voice to recover and strengthen and and at that point then they you know and they get their legs back underneath them. They talked about, we hope one day to take them to Disneyland. So in my head, I'm going, at a minimum, if Buster and Dave, Dave and Buster is down the street from their house, surely that little boy can have an evening of his life and then, you know, come home to packages galore. Yeah, you know oh, what I mean? Like, yeah, have a limo pick a this minimum. kid up and take him to the Dave and Buster's and give him like, one of the best here's experiences a Dave, he's ever had. Here's, uh, here's a Dave and Buster's card. You will not be able to empty it on the Ghostbusters video game, but you go for it. Yeah, uh, yeah exactly. Eat all the ice cream you want, have, you know, bring all your friends and then, you know, go home and, you know, um, and I got, I, I, I kind of floated this because we knew that some of them are out there and both Dave and Buster, this is not a commitment on their part and I'm not sure how to push this thing forward. I guess if anybody's listening to this and you're on Twitter, follow up with them and say, so how what can we help kid? you guys Michael do that Jr. thing? Yeah. Um, you know, I should probably do that as well, but uh, both Dave and Buster's and Spirit Halloween saw it. And gave it a thumbs up that they that they had uh, acknowledged the idea. So in my head, for example, that means that a Dave and Buster's will open their doors to this little guy, and Spirit of Halloween, who just you know 
recently kind of restocked themselves on kid-sized yeah, late proton, proton packs, packs yep, could yep. maybe, you know? Absolutely. But this kid live out his dreams. So uh, we'll, we'll post the, the in the show notes or on the yeah. Facebook account will, where to do the GoFundMe. But also follow up with these guys. Hound them. I'm going to go I'm gonna go one step further, further uh, uh, with you there because – it could be an addition to this is that, as you said, if they do get this little guy to Disneyland, guess where he's at already? <laughs> he, he, he He's in town. Yeah. He's in town, which means there can be a round yeah. two. And I know the Southland guys and all that and the, the all of, would be all over. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Him, oh, absolutely. Pick guy's him up day, at the airport so. in the Ecto and make him feel yeah. like a, a hero, which he is. I mean, he's saving his brother's lives. It's so cool. Yes. So, um, so yeah, shout shout out to Michael Jr., our junior Ghostbuster in Philadelphia. And uh, we'll we'll get you guys information on how to help his family out. Um, and, it, you know, at the end, the end of this, we should probably, this might be best. Actually, we've done a, quite a few modeling, uh, final thoughts. So I'll just tack it on here as not, not my final thought, but, uh, boy, if there's any reason that any of us should ever think about, you know, checking that donor mark on our driver's license yeah. or, or, you know, going in for the blood test and all that to see how we, we match for donations and bone marrow donations and all that. I mean, crap of a four year old can do it. What the hell are uh, we yeah, doing? Especially right? Bone like, marrow and plasma. And I know it's a, a painful process, but, uh, is, is needed. So yeah, if this kid, if this kid can, and it's not exactly a painless process, if this no, not at all. little guy can do this for bone marrow <laughs> and you haven't been down to, you know, give a pint of blood, we're shame shame we're we're falling down on the job as <laughs> as adults yes yes so uh help help them out help people out in your community absolutely and ping buster daves and spirit of halloween and <laughs> yeah. ghost core and just uh, playmobil people. yeah that kid should be drowning in playmobil he should be getting all the playmobiles yeah absolutely um, all right. Well, uh, one more quick fundraiser to mention, uh, certainly in a different light. Of course, this is not uh, a matter of life and death, but it is a matter of Shakespeare. Uh, our good <laughs> friend, uh, Jordan Monsell is working with the Reduck Productions. Check out the spelling. It's funny. Uh, to put on his uh, Ministers of Grace parody of Ghostbusters that we've had him on the show to talk about. Great publication, wonderful translation, uh, but he wants to put it on at the Edinburgh Fringe festival and uh, they are looking for some funds to get stuff off the ground there so uh, that's also an indiegogo campaign we'll post all the info for you guys on social media definitely check that out yes i will tag on indiegogo is not kickstarter indiegogo has the option of what they call flex funding which is to say that i know a lot of people there's a kickstarter effect that uh, if something isn't reaching its goal people go well what's the point right whereas with a flex funding campaign if they say we need i think they said something like five thousand pounds to 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 mount it or whatever that's just so it's not entirely out of their own pocket sort of thing which means that if they only get a thousand pounds, it doesn't mean it failed. It just means they're only four thousand out of pocket. If if you understand right, what I'm right. saying, so, and, and they'll so, take whatever the whatever the donations are that you give to them, they will get those. Right? They don't have to. They hit will that get the goal of. 5, they don't have pounds. to hit the yeah. goal. So it has been running for a couple of weeks. It's, um, I think it's growing and it's quite solid, but it's not. 
you know, it's not it's not a runaway. They haven't met their goal or exceeded it. But I don't want people to go. Well, have, if it hasn't made it by now, they don't need my money. It's like, well, yeah, they kind of still do. They still you, do. you can put ten bucks in it. That ten bucks will get spent by them on what they need to do to get things done. Yeah, and I did. Um, I saw a lot of people that were like, "Well, why would I invest in a play that I can't see?" And I, I, I do understand that, but they do have some great uh, perks that if you do donate, yeah. you can you can get a few things back from them. So uh, it's 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 certainly worth checking out. And and just because when Jordan was on the show, he talked about how he knew putting on the stage show would be incredibly expensive because of the costumes and the <laughs> props and having the Stay Puffed manifestation at the end and things like that were going to take quite a bit of doing. So um, they, they do need your help. Uh, and I'm sure it will be a rousing success when it finally does get going. So uh, it check, should check also it be pointed. So, sorry, I'm stepping all over you here. No, no, no. Go ahead. Um, Edinburgh Fringe Fest is also a jumping off point for quite a few things. If you can succeed with something at Edinburgh, it opens doors to try to do other stuff. So, for example, if it does well at Edinburgh and they've already, you know, at that point gotten the costumes and all that, there's a good chance that maybe it'll go, um, uh, oh God, I want to say off Broadway, but what's the London equivalent? Um... Uh, their theater district. I can't remember the name, but uh, anyways, yeah, they have their own theater. There's a good chance that there's a good chance that it may make its way to London or Manchester or other, you know, larger cities in, uh, in the UK. You know what I mean? If it does well there, uh, a lot of that stuff in the UK, sometimes they like to film it and put it on a disc or etc. 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 So if, if you're saying to yourself, well, why would I give them 10 bucks if I'm not going to get to see it? It's like, well, there's a good chance and and if this is successful it could go touring and it may come your way you never know you never know and at a minimum to put enough money in to get a copy of the book because hey it's awesome that's a good book it really is um so uh so yeah so we'll we'll post these uh both of those uh onto the facebook accounts and twitter accounts so that you guys can uh, access both of those fundraisers definitely both good causes uh one one more so than the other obviously but uh you know, as a Ghostbusters fan, you owe it to donate to both. Um, <laughs> one from a moral, ethical standpoint, maybe slightly one more worthy. Selfish but... and speaking of our golden age <laughs> of popular culture, yeah. Um, all right, so let's let's get into IDW discussion here. Uh, we will not get into the spoiler discussion yet for the Ghostbusters annual because this is the breaking news that we need to talk about here <clears> at <throat> this point in time, Chris. Yes. Uh, we were going to be talking about clarifications on the dimension of origin where you and I had sleeplessly tried to figure out what these codes were. And then Eric Brennan was like, you guys are overthinking it. And we were, Oh yeah. Uh, but we're not going to talk about that. We're going to talk about something <laughs> very interesting that just happened quite literally minutes before we started recording here. Yes. Um, and I don't know the best way to go about this, but so IDW publishing, uh, there has been a lot of upheaval in the comics industry lately, uh, for financial reasons, for, uh, moral and ethical reasons, which we've, I'm sure a lot of people have been keeping their, uh, their eyes on. Um, and so we have seen a lot of shuffling and a lot of people, uh, changing, uh, changing out their positions, vacating their positions. And so, um, unfortunately this particular one came in the midst of all of this. And I think a lot of people are reading into it and I don't think there's, I don't think there's a whole lot there, but like I said earlier, I went down the rabbit hole and I, I don't know, people have convinced me, but anyway, so, uh, Chris Ray, Rayal, Rayal, how do you 
figure we pronounced that Ryall, I think, right? I, I just said Ryle, yeah. Yeah, Chris Ryle, who has been with IDW Comics for 14 years now. Which um, is pretty close to almost the bulk of its lifespan, I think. Uh, I mean, yeah, since pretty much the start. I mean, surely before they started pulling all of these um, – the licensed properties and pre Ghostbusters and pre Ninja Turtles. Yeah. And, yeah. He, uh, he predates the Burnham Shoney years. Oh, definitely. Absolutely. His, absolutely. His, his name is stamped on the early IDW Ghostbusters stuff. And, and still is. I mean, if you look at the masthead on, on even the, the Ghostbusters annual that we're going to be talking about, I'm pretty sure it's, it's on there as well. Um, yeah. So uh, he has, uh, he has left his post at the publisher after 14 years. Um, and, you know, this this comes on the heels of there was a public relations person who left IDW not too long ago. Um, and so a lot of people are reading into this as, well, there's a senior staff shakeup that's happening at IDW. And then people are reading into that even further saying, are their sales hurting? Are they in financial trouble? What's happening at IDW Comics? Should there be any worry? To the point where I even saw Eric Burnham on Twitter go, I'm an anxious person and I'm feeling pretty anxious right now. And I was like, dude, you are fine. You are one of the hardest working p- people in comics. You're very talented. You're going to be fine. Yeah. Um, but I also share. We his hate anxiety. you for your stupid multidimensional <laughs> codes. But other than that, other than that, <laughs> other than him kind of making us look stupid. Don't um, never make us look stupid, Burnham. Yeah, I don't. I mean, <clears throat> and this sort of comes because there have been rumors that that IDW's bottom line has been suffering. They do have a whole lot of licensed properties, so I wonder if that has something to do with it. You know, they've got yeah. Transformers and My Little Pony and a whole lot of Hasbro things. Uh, they've also got Ghostbusters, which we know sells fairly well. Star Trek, well. X Files, Transformers, yeah. GI Joe, um, and they're at that. Dark horse transitory phase of being a comic company that's grown to a point where it's got to try and be something a little bit more than that. Because if it doesn't diversify, even though diversification has its own risks, um, you, you, you just it's difficult to maintain, sort of thing. So, uh, we, we've seen a lot of them, they started that market of doing the prestige editions uh, for right, other companies for Marvel. And yeah, um, when they get the license on stuff, they have obviously shrewdly uh, written up some uh, rights that aren't purely comics. So we see that Dan Schoening gets um, and Eric Burnham are loaned out to Cryptozoic's game. We know that uh, they themselves started making their own Back to the Future and Turtles board oh, games. Oh, God, Back to the Future. I totally forgot that they've got that. So Universal. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> and, yeah. Um, anyways, we'll, 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 you and I will back and forth on it here. You keep going. Yeah, I mean, so, so my thought here is, first of all, as a Ghostbusters fan, everybody that's listening to this, tuning in to talk about the Ghostbusters annual is going, oh, God, what does this mean for the future of Ghostbusters comics? And I think we're okay. I think we're in good shape on that front. I don't, I mean, yes, uh, it's always concerning when, when, people, uh, you know, Chris being the chief creative officer, I think was his title, you know, being, being at a high position at a publisher, uh, stepping down, usually not a good sign, but at the same time, sometimes that's, that's a good movement forward. You know, I'm thinking of like 
when Joe Quesada took over at Marvel. And then all of a sudden, all these books started having these resurgences and other characters that were getting neglected were getting a whole lot of attention and money and great creative teams. And um, so if, if somebody who comes in to this situation and sees things that are thriving, such as Ghostbusters or, or TMNT or, or these properties that we do know for a fact fly off the shelves. Um, it, it probably will be okay f- for something like Ghostbusters. Um, I, I don't think there's any worry there. I'm, I'm not too worried about the future of like, I don't think crossing over is going to get canceled tomorrow. Um, cut no. to tomorrow when crossing over gets canceled. No, that's not, it's <laughs> not what's going to happen. Um, but you know, there are shakeups, people leave their jobs. He's been there for 14 years. Uh, maybe he was feeling creatively stagnant. Maybe the politics and all of the red tape and the rigmarole of the daily life may have been getting to him. And because he did announce on Twitter that he's moving on to do a a creator owned comic, maybe he wants to go back to being an indie publisher. And that's what IDW used to be. They used to be the small indie label that, published uh you know two or three titles and that was it so maybe he's kind of overwhelmed by it it should be pointed out that the pr uh execs that left left for similar reasons they want to go right um yeah it it happens and i i can't fault them for it um so i mean i've been reading comics long enough that i you know i see marvel by uh you know editorial heiress do you know what i mean like and it's sure and at yeah. no time did anybody say well this is it marvel's about to die just because you know oh and, um, and dc the same way like when paul levitz was in charge of dc it was a totally different feel than it is right now and and it, it happens people yeah they put in their time and then they go yeah, you know, and and sometimes it's lateral. Sometimes it's a complete left turn to go do something else, and sometimes it's, you know, to move on up because you know we've seen, um, uh, I, you know, I've seen not comics per se. I'm t- trying to think of like Wizard, the editors at Wizard Magazine. Oh yeah, yeah. Kind of traded it up to you know Robot Chicken and stuff like that. You know what I mean? Like they. Uh, or, you know, if you're an editor, that skill set can be applied as an editor in a lot of different places. So maybe you're sure. like, well, you know, I've done my time editing the Star Trek comics. Perhaps I'll go edit, you know, X magazine or something like that. Yeah. And, and oh, I, God, I hope there's not a magazine called X out X there magazine, because I just. No. <laughs> He's now Chris Rael, the editor of X magazine. Um, uh, X magazine. Yeah. I, I mean, I think it's, it's a whole other discussion and it could be an entire podcast on its own probably, but we have talked about how the comics industry is hurting uh, quite a bit. Yeah. I mean, local comic shops are really struggling to to stay afloat and to keep their keep their doors open and the lights on. And uh, you know, the comics industry as well. We've seen big shifts at Marvel, big shifts at DC. Even even these big publishers are are having to sort of rethink things. To yeah. I don't like we're in a digital we're like you were saying at the top of the show, we are in a revolution where there it's a golden age of pop culture. There are 500 comics titles that you have to keep up with. Everybody is abandoning their monthly books at three ninety nine a piece or four ninety nine a piece, or even some that are five ninety nine a piece now um, because they find that it's easier to pick up a trade paperback or wait for the omnibus that comes out. Um, you know, I, I am guilty of, I, I have switched completely to digital and it's, <laughs> it's mainly because of a space issue for one, but also it's just, it's easier for me to keep up with stuff when it's right there on my phone or it's right there on my tablet. But, um, yeah. unfortunately that cuts out my local comic shop and I feel awful for it, but, uh, it's, it's a different, it's tough. It's a different, 
<laughs> I don't know what to say. Well, two two things. Uh, one, uh, you have the solution uh, uh, sleeping in the other room right there. Because if you want to support your local comic shop, just drop in every once in a while with a toddler and you will leave <laughs> – with ten dollars full of, of weirdest <laughs> crap, my local comic shop right there at the counter has little, um, like uh, you know, tool sorting uh, trays of dice. And for whatever reason, Thomas is fascinated. So, <laughs> sure enough, I dropped ten bucks on dice <laughs> that he will lose. All those in two impulse days, buys, but, yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. But the thing is, is that. It's been a few years of everything's in flux, which means that if you're still at it, people have started to dial in formulas, which is how it goes. So, it you know, and for example, doing a print of something is fairly easy. It costs X amount for Burnham. It costs X amount for Shoning per issue. You know what I mean? Like there's yeah, a spreadsheet you know of what your, it costs to get it out. printing and your shipping costs X amount of dollars to get it to... And the other thing, too, is yeah. Diamond is in the middle of that, which we know that people have had problems with Diamond. Uh, yep. Not not Diamond Select, who we love and who makes these amazing toys, which I have Vigo right here, and he looks awesome. But the Diamond distribution arm, which I know uh, causes some people a, a great amount of grief, um, and they take a huge amount off the top, from what I've heard. You know, the local comic shops they sell fifty books, and you know they get the the price of like one. You know, yeah. um, so and it's it's. Um you know, so we've seen that IDW is is thinking ahead. I mean, IDW was one of the first comic, I think, even before Marvel or DC, definitely before DC got it sorted out, uh, went out the door with an app saying, "Here's yeah. how you can get our comics digitally. Come get them." Like they were one of the first to just go. It's it, there's no dodging this. Oh, just they were go, selling go. Each, each issue as its own app. <clears throat> Remember the uh, yep. the four part miniseries that uh, the Ghostbusters displaced aggression. I think was one of the first yep. ones I got, and it was four individual apps for a dollar ninety nine or two ninety nine or whatever. It, was. It, it means they didn't even have like the 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 platform solution sorted out yet, but they knew it was coming enough and found a way to get it into our hands. Um. You know, and they've tightened that. You know, that, I, th- I remember that one was great because I think you could tap on panels and it would blow up. Yeah, for it you had sure that like weird it. sort of like reading assist mode. Like, yeah, yeah, it's it's <clears throat> not unlike now with the the IDW app where you can pinch and zoom on stuff and see every Easter egg that Dan hides. Uh, yeah, but, uh, yeah. Um, yeah it was, so it was there's that. Thinking. There's they have diversified out into other areas. Uh, I mean. I, I know, <laughs> I know. Uh, Paul Rudolph at Spook Central, in particular. Hello, Paul. Uh, has a real problem with the uh, incentive covers they do, which are uh, well, are are almost industry famous now. Like they, but at the same time, nobody does that stuff unless they've got the math worked out. I know it's frustrating to collectors, but I don't see it as a folly. Yeah, and you know every I mean? publisher like, does that. Every publisher does the f- yeah. fifth variant cover or the like pack in. It's it's the death of Superman model yeah, still. It, so. it's, and I'm pretty sure it's relatively cheap because what you're doing is is it's not like the interior has of the book has changed. So if you've printed the book, you keep the run going. It's just you switch over to a new cover, which is so yeah. I mean it's not like yeah. you're, you're printing a new cost 
run of a i'm sure there's a way to calculate it up if, if books come out the other end at 50 cents a piece or whatever um it's not like you have to start your machining and and um you know design and 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 you know print it layout costs and all that from zero and start over on a new cover because the interior book is the same it's a it's a much reduced one to go and now we will stop for a minute to just right, set up the right. new cover sort of things so i don't i don't see this as a a bad omen at all no not unless, at all yeah i mean if you want to read into burnham i mean he knows how that company works internally so unless but i mean he doesn't even he doesn't he's not even at the office he yeah, does his I mean, thing at his local I, coffee shop so yeah and burnham I'm, deals with he's the chief creative <clears throat> officer burnham deals with him on a daily basis so if anything yeah. burnham like eric's eric's anxiety is probably that he's gonna have to deal with somebody new what kind of notes is he going to get back what kind of feedback is he going to be getting back on yeah. books what kind of freedom did he have that the new person is not going to allow him it's that, most... I feel like that's where his anxiety is coming from, to be completely there will, honest. There will be no slipping the filmation Ghostbusters in <laughs> secretly anymore. Um, that never yeah, happened. I, I don't know what you're talking that, about. Chris. That kind of thing seems way more likely than there's some sort of internal you know, hiccup that's going to cause a big, big problem. I mean, at the end of the day, uh, IDW is clocked in at like number four. Like it counts as... Um, you know, it's, it's, it's the, the Fox TV of, of, of comics. It's the fourth <laughs> channel coming out of nowhere, yeah. right? Like it's, well, <clears throat> yeah, they've, they've really done a number and from, from everything that I've usually heard about IDW, they're a joy to work with, uh, from the creative side, yeah. uh, all of the licensors I know really love working with them too. So Yes. Now, yes. There, and this, and you've hit the nail on the head right there. So, if you look at the things that are strangely, like you scratch your head and you go, "How did they manage that?" It's an indication that internally, they're actually really good at what they do. One, yeah, the yeah. number of crossovers they've done. Let, let's be honest here. They didn't, you know, directly let them cross over, but they still put out a series where the Ghostbusters were included in a run with Transformers, GI Joe, and Star Trek. Okay, like how? Yeah, how did they manage? <laughs> how legally? How did they manage all of that? Yeah, exactly. For shoots and giggles, they. They did directly cross it over off canon outside of the timeline. With right. yeah, what's the dimensional coordinates for that one, Burnham? <laughs> for the Ghostbusters <laughs> meeting the Martians from um, Mars invader, attacks, Mars attacks, yeah. and stuff like yeah. that. You know what? Like um, Funko is working on their second right. round of right. unique covers with them. Um, you know they've. Uh, they found a way to work with Cryptozoic, which technically is a rival board game company, but obviously had the rights to the game that they couldn't make themselves. And rather than sulking and going, do your own stupid art, they said, here's our writer, here's our artist. Yeah, here. Please don't it, break them. Yeah. Go make a better product for it and stamp our, you know, like. <laughs> Just let people know that's our guys, and here's the comic. Hey, you know, yeah, off worked they out really well. Yeah, <clears throat> these are these are guys that obviously are uh, you know uh, love the medium, love the stuff they're working on, and you know, and 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 know as fans how to you know make this stuff work. And as you said, it like Sony and Ghost Core are happy, and that is amazing. In that, again, we're about to watch them, you know, pull the 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 paint lid off of everything like video games that fans themselves barely acknowledge (laughs) 
they just showed up in the annual. No spoilers, but we knew it was coming because it got it, it got previewed earlier. Made better. I'm like, oh, I remember these guys. <laughs> I yeah. should go back and play that game. And then I'm like, go no, back I and play the go game. back and play that game. That game was well, not, horrible. Or, or not only that, if you go back and play it, at least there's more to them now because these guys have fleshed out the characters right. a bit more. Yeah. Like it's, it's kind of, and that's before we even get to like the turtles thing. They managed to convince Sony and I mean, who owns the turtles? Uh, Nickelodeon at this point. Yeah. Nickelodeon. That's yeah. right to do not one but two crossovers um it, just oh and, god and, and successful to the point where the turtles continue to be mentioned even in the annual which we're about to talk about like the turtles come up in this this book because they were such a huge part of the the yeah. canonical path that these characters have taken in the comics so yes and help pave the way to what nickelodeon putting out toys right Right. like not related to the comics but there's no way you can look at the turtle busters and not go well idw helped set that one up because obviously those books did incredibly well yeah they they really did a number so i think uh too long didn't read version of this is is there a shakeup happening at idw yes it sounds like it uh do we think the sky is falling? No, I think no. Uh, unanimously between the two of us, we do not think that the sky is falling. Everything will be okay. But rain it in, Chicken Little. <laughs> yeah, the sky is Ch- not falling. Chicken, chicken Little's little. my pet name for Burnham. Stop <laughs> making codes. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it would be like in numbers. So C would be like a three, <laughs> and <laughs> C one. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. The one that he really made me feel stupid on was the 68R. And he's like, well, six is a G and eight is a B. I'm like, no, it's not. Oh, oh, it looks like yeah, a G. And it it looks like a B. Oh, damn it. Burnham. All right. Yeah. Uh, we really did overthink one? that. Uh, ADC. ADC. Yeah. You're like, oh. Which we even said on the podcast and just blanked over. But again, Blank. I drink whiskey and we also record late at night. So I have somewhat of an excuse you and your stupid hominy or homophobes homophones 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 Homophones. yeah homophones your stupid your stupid sound puns wordplay stupid burnham burnham (laughs) see that's what too much coffee does to a person ladies and gentlemen (laughs) that man that man gets paid (laughs) to go if this you if this cartoon were three letters, what would they be? ADC. (laughs) Oh, you son of a... He spent (sighs) ten minutes on each one. Ten minutes on each one. (laughs) And build an hour. He's a lawyer now. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. He's up to an hour. And (laughs) our counts, by the time Crossing Over comes out, Uh, he'll have built uh, several hours. Think about uh, that, IDW. You know what? If you are having financial troubles, I think I found found a leak. (laughs) I think you should limit Eric no. and his coffee. No, don't say that. Back the money truck up to Eric's house. He deserves every penny of it, especially after reading right. the annual. Let's okay. Let's talk about the annual. Let's let's, let's get into it. Well, I'll put a little musical interlude in here so that everybody knows that it's safe. Uh, or if you are trying to avoid spoilers, now's when you yeah, should run turn off. Hills. And we will uh, we'll we'll understand. You can come back after you listen or after you read the issue then you can listen to us but run uh, to the hills <laughs> there there's the song you can play run to the hills run 
so let's dive into it. Let's spend... I, I had budgeted uh, a good half hour in here, but I don't think we have a half hour. So uh, let's let's spend a little bit of time talking about the Ghostbusters annual because it is awesome. It is, it is. 50 pages of amazingness. Um, I, I don't know about that you, Chris, be, That should be the size of every issue, by the way. Give them 50 pages. The breathing room was so incredible. The amount of yes. time that they had and you didn't feel like anything was rushed and... I I loved it. I mean, what what did you think about this? Because I I just want to gush about it here for twenty minutes. But what 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 are your thoughts on it, Chris? Um, my thought one was I was actually up uh, up uh, past midnight. Uh, the Ooh, I was there when the access. international Dateline passed yeah. and uh, it went live. So I read it. You were like, you're going to be able to read it before recording. I was like. <laughs> I'm going to read it within Man, five minutes of it coming in. What are you talking about? <laughs> uh, and then, you know, and that was, that was an investment. That was, that was 11 bucks on the, uh, on the app there. Um, yeah. And then today I don't normally, just because I've read the digital, I don't, I don't rush to the store, but today I just had uh, a few minutes to kill. I said, yeah, why not? And I went in and um, <laughs> it's the first time I, I, <laughs> The, the, my old comic shop, the guy was kind of nuts about buying so many copies that he'd get the alternate covers and he'd know I'd want them. And yeah, he'd hold me. on to them for you. I don't know if there's – I think I've been missing a, a few because he hasn't been ordering. He, the new place doesn't order quite that way, but I waited today. He's like, yeah, there was a variant. I didn't know which one you want, so I gave you both. And like, Thank you. <laughs> Thank you so much. Oh, may you live to be a thousand, uh, sir. Exactly. Uh, so I dropped another uh, twenty-two bucks. So thirty-three bucks. I'm thirty-three bucks in on. Uh, <laughs> but but uh, totally worth it, though. I, I feel very like it's much totally worth it. Worth it. Yeah, I mean, uh, both, I I've got to go with the hard copy still, but yeah. Um. And yeah, it was. Boy, I don't know. But I mean, we maybe that's where we're heading. Is 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 um. You know, maybe we don't pick something up monthly. Maybe we pick something, you know, something twice as big every two months because just the size of, and, you know, I was able to get into it. It wasn't over just as I was kind of warming, you know, getting my groove on with it. Um, and I mean, it'll be difficult because we're not allowed to get spoiler free. I will say, I think Dan uh, has, or Dan has probably burned through every real Ghostbusters ghost. <laughs> in one panel by now yeah i think he went through but one, one season panel. in one panel in this book uh, for people who like to watch for that sort of thing this one is kind of this one is kind of a magnificent on several levels um yeah i mean because the, the he, art i mean we we can get into spoilers so i, we, I feel like we've given oh, people, that's true. We enough, people off yeah there we've given people enough warning now at this point um, but yeah we can talk about it um uh, nice, nice nod to Magnum PI. Nice nod to Airplane. Oh, really uh, good nod to Airplane with Kareem Abdul-Jabbar piloting the helicopter to Liberty <laughs> yeah, Island. Not even there. a nod. No, it's like. Was it Roger? Uh, Roger under Roger. Uh, Captain over over. Captain over uh, over. Yeah, it's anyway. over. <laughs> Which but, one was he? Oh, I can't remember now. <laughs> Let's put it this way: He had lines. That guy is actually. Like oh, in yeah. the universe, yeah, he's um, got lines, and Kylie tells him to leave, and um, yeah, he so actually Kareem is in the IDW universe. <laughs> Kareem Abdul Jabbar, <laughs> and that that would that would that would be like kind of weird to me if it wasn't for the fact that he's actually a bit of a nerd. 
I wasn't sure <laughs> if you were aware, but he's a Sherlock Holmes nerd. Ah, I did not know he, that. Okay. That man so has that whole discussion than, later makes sense. Yeah. That one has his own. He He's written it with somebody else, but apparently he's, he's, he's talked and he's member of the various groups and all this. He's, he's not, what a weird thing to say. Look, this, all-time NBA star is faking his Sherlock Holmes credits. No, not of that at all. He actually, he actually is academically up to his eyebrows in Sherlock Holmes, and with a writer has written uh, a handful of my like young Mycroft Holmes uh, uh, stories. One of which has been uh, turned into a comic series. Um, so. So I thought it was, I'm sitting there going, it's very weird that he's actually part of it. I'm like, no, wait, no, it's not. It makes perfect sense that Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Yeah, he's got to show up. <laughs> he's he's fine. He that It's, it's fine. Listen, kid, I'm a pilot. <laughs> and uh, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, the the real Ghostbusters ghosts that show up on, on Liberty Island, I mean, that that's kind of, that's, that's the big cinematic moment at the end of the book, you know, where they are completely yeah. surrounded by all of these ghosts, too many ghosts for them to handle, and Egon opens up that portal, and... Uh, and, and the cavalry comes in to help them and that's everybody. It's the extreme ghostbusters, the sanctum of slime ghostbusters, the real ghostbusters, the, it, anybody and everybody, I think that's kind of, these are the seeds that they're planting for crossing over for crossing overs. And it feels so good. Uh, again, this is the, 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 the big climactic battle at the end of this thing, the setup crossing over, but, and, and I, I'll boil it down to one panel because the whole thing is amazing. But there's the one panel where they said, you know, uh, it, it you know it feels like we're winning. Are we winning? And then they cut to a panel of real Ghostbusters Egon um, answer the call. Uh, um, Abby, Abby, thank yeah. you. And Extreme Ghostbusters uh, Roland, which is strange in that they've now they actually do distinctly separate real Ghostbusters and Extreme Ghostbusters right, universes right. as close, but but separate sort of thing. And the three of them together are looking at their three different PK meters and all go, no, wait, we're clear. I'm like, Oh my God. Yeah. That was just That's so well good. worth it to well, watch. And there's the one different panel. gear, different characters, but they, they're all operating as ghostbusters the exact same way. Yeah, exactly. Like, it's, it's, they, they serve the same functions. They have that same sort of brain and mentality and, and that's that's the cool part about you know when we saw Holtzman meet Egon for the first time. I'm like that. I want to see that. That's chocolate and Nutella coming together for the first time. Is it going to work? Is it not going to work? I want to see that. Uh, so RGB Peter stepping out of a portal, surrounded by ghosts, everybody firing. It goes. Is that a Shegon? Shegon? Yeah. Because I don't know how I feel about that. <laughs> Well, and uh, so, I mean, we're kind of, we may be jumping ahead here to the very yes. end, but that's okay because, so Ron Alexander features prominently into the annual and, and, yes. and being that it's one singular bust of, of Sam Hain, which is pretty awesome. It's nice to have Ron along for the ride to just sort of see how much they just hate working with this guy. And because <laughs> of the parole terms, he has to be under their guide and their care and they have to make sure that he's monitored and, and yada, yada, yada. And then that's what in turn I think is sparking crossing over because we see that handshake between he and Holtzman at the end where, I mean, Holtzman is reckless. She just wants the technology. 
Ron wants the technology for profit. He's Chevy Chase. He wants it for whatever his uh, ambitions are. He doesn't want it just to get his hands on technology. And I have a feeling that they're going to just blow up the universe or something. That's what's going to cause yeah. this huge rift is the two of these guys coming together and they're going to get into a fist fight in the middle of using the portal or something. It's just going to go horribly awry. Um, yeah. I, but, but at the same time, this doesn't feel like a setup. This doesn't feel like Iron Man two setting up the Avengers. This is, it's a self-contained story. It has plenty of room to breathe. There's such a yeah. wonderful moment between Ray and Jenny that, you know, you and I, I don't know, several months ago, many, many podcasts ago, when Jenny first passed away and became a ghost, we were talking about how fun it would be to see their relationship. Here's Ray working with Jenny the ghost, and we get to see that. We get to see their interactions. We get to kind of yeah. feed on on the two of them having dialogue and working with each other, and then Ron walks into the room, and you see how they react to it, and there's just so much great breathing room in this, this issue. I just, I loved every minute of it. Now help an old man out the, is it just a non sequitur that we'll figure out later? Or am I not remembering something critical from the series to this point with the, the golem character? Yeah. The golem in the village. I thought that might've just been a, a joke, but there may be something there too. Um, was there something in like the last turtle series that I missed? I thought, but that's so um, recent that I'm like, surely I'd remember yeah, something. I would remember that. that too, but I'd, I'm not quite sure. Cue our email from Michael. Um, <laughs> I don't remember a golem. I Ding, thought that was just, there goes my mail. Yeah, <laughs> I, I thought that was just a, a gag, you know, who, who brought the golem? Where'd the golem come from? Uh, yeah. And then and, and for, for a minute I was, I was like, it kind of, I was like, it kind of, before they even said golem, I was like, it kind of feels like it's a golem sort of thing, but it didn't look like the extreme Ghostbusters golem. Yeah. Uh, and not but necessarily... it's kind of reminiscent of it. Yeah. And then it's, it's completely verbal too. So I'm like, okay, this is just, I don't know what's going on. I've missed something. I mean, he, at first, I mean, at first glance of the panel, I thought he was a robot. So I'm like, oh my God, it's Robo Buster, but they like redesigned him. Uh, but yeah. Uh, oh, I will send 50 bucks to Burnham and Shoning right now if they manage to work Robo Buster <laughs> into crossing over somewhere, yeah. please. Uh, John, John, your caber would love that too. Um, oh, but uh, yeah, I mean, uh, who's to say in crossing over all of those types of things may show up. We may see the people busters for all we know, but um, so yeah, I, I loved, I mean the only thing, and it's not even a complaint. It was just one of these thoughts that I had in the back of my head, Chris of at the very beginning of the issue starts with uh, an excavation crew in the tunnels working yeah. under New York city and they uncover something. And I immediately was like, wait, they've, I've, I've seen this. And I was like, wait, I've seen this multiple times. Wait, this is like a trope now. This is like a Ghostbusters yep. thing. Like where did, did knock knock start that? What was the first thing where we saw like a subway tunnel that unearthed something that caused havoc on New York city? I think it was knock knock, right? It was knock knock. Um, and then ah, there's the mole people episode of extreme ghostbusters. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, there was the, the pilot of extreme ghostbusters there, the mayor's yeah. down there, uh, christening a new subway tunnel and, and right. out comes the, the she demon, um, ghostbusters two, obviously ghostbusters uh, two. Oh, I guess that's true. Ghostbusters two is pretty much the origins of it. No, the pneumatic the, transit, right? 
Because it comes after real Ghostbusters, my friend. Oh, yeah, good point. You're absolutely real, right. Yeah, Extreme Ghostbusters, or not Extreme Ghostbusters, so uh, knock, real Ghostbusters. Knock Knock, knock was, was like 86, 87. Yeah. Then Ghostbusters 2, then 96, 97 would have been Extreme Ghostbusters. So it's not, I mean, it's, uh, I, I feel like it's, it's a trope. I mean, it's not something yeah. where I read it and I bumped on, I'm like, ah, oh, I've seen this before. It was like, <coughs> it just, it felt like Ghostbusters to me. And I was like, I feel like I've seen and or heard this many, many times yeah. before, but I'm okay with it. I, I felt well, okay with it. It's, it's an excellent Ghostbusters slash New York linked trope, which is, and there's a series of them in Ghostbusters. So you could start a list of the number of times Somebody doing construction because there's been construction ones too, wasn't there? One with uh, Winston's dad. Oh yeah, in yeah, yeah, that, yeah. That doing construction on a building, they unearth something. So construction, either underground or any sort of digging in New York, unearth something. You can do another list of something in a New York museum is <laughs> is is an artifact That's that true. goes wrong. The artifact that comes in in a crate and starts glowing and yeah, yeah. and at that point yeah. you can start you know that list you can start bringing in the video game and all that like there are some wonderful tropes that are uh they kind of i bet you if we went to that tropes website um that's stuff we you see all over the, I, I mean I, 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 i'm sitting here and i'm thinking about it, it's like uh queer mass in the pit is obviously a, oh, is a perfect yeah. early example of digging an underground tunnel and finding something um and I think museums with weird stuff in it. That's night, all over the place. Night at the museum. Yeah, so they're not the, specifically yeah. Ghostbusters, but Ghostbusters is so perfect to revisit them over and over and over and over. And it never gets boring or tiring. Like it's just, uh, I know I've run real Ghostbusters uh, role-playing, not real Ghostbusters, the Ghostbusters role-playing game. Like simple, simple, uh, um, simple little one-offs and all that often are like, being called to a museum and all that. So yeah, it's, it's, it's uh, it just feels good. I mean, again, with uh, ancient artifacts and ancient uh, relics and runes and things like that, it makes a whole lot of sense, but I don't know. I, just, I loved, I, I thought it started off well, everything worked really, you know, the way that Sam Hain was released and, and they meet him at uh, grand central station, which is outstanding art by Dapper Dan. Um, all of those backgrounds and it just it works. <laughs> It works on so many different levels, and you see that these guys had a lot of time too. That I'm sure Dan's laughing right now. Like a lot of time, whatever, man. Screw you. But uh, <laughs> like, no, I'm sorry, Dan. I know that you didn't. Yeah, I'm sure you can always use more time. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, uh, the the backgrounds and the artwork, and then especially once those portals open up and we see all of the different real Ghostbusters, Extreme Ghostbusters, Sanctum of Slime, it's all different art styles that Dan's got to be juggling, and yes. he handles and it so well. The beautiful part is is that there's a bit of back and forth with uh, Ron in which they're like, you're a loose cannon with it, we're doing research with it. And Egon explains it's that we are, in a very regimented way, going to these other universes, meeting our uh, adjacents, exchanging information, and learning that there are questions to be asked that we didn't, right. we didn't even know we were right. looking for answers for. And in that one little bit, it sets up, for example, unless you and I have overlooked something, the golem guy, uh, or the fact that where did the Sanctum of Slime guys come in? Other, we, we 
saw them in passing in that splash page, but that was just a reference to there are lots of Ghostbusters. It's right. not like they interacted yeah. with them. So it's like if you're going to bring in the second slime guys, if you're going to bring in the extreme Ghostbusters but haven't interacted with them earlier in the series, how do you set that up? That's how you set it up. It's perfect. There's enough space for them to have this conversation where they both explain to Ron, no, you're not getting it. This is why you're not getting it. And by the way, this will explain why there's a cast of thousands about to walk through the door. We know who they are and they know who we are by name. And 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 you don't have... Yeah, that was such a great... Wasn't that the the same page where Ray said that we created Ghostbusters not as a means to an end, but as a means to continue our research, essentially something to that effect? Exactly. And and this is perfect. This is us getting back to exactly what we wanted to do. Follows on the heels of the, 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 woo, woo, burn unit alert. The whole thing about the badge and Egon going, I have this badge so they know I'm a Ghostbusters. And Egon's like, that's weird. We don't need badges. Yeah. Funny. We don't have a problem with people not knowing who we are. With not being recognized. It's like, oh, shh. It's like run that gif of the, the, the kids are reacting to that guy's bird. <laughs> Pardon me. Snap. Pardon me. Yeah. A whole page of Egon explaining and Ray explaining what they're doing, what they're doing. And it sets up the whole thing beautifully. And then, and then Ed's ends with Ron going, you just don't want me to have it. And then it ends with Ray going, also, we just don't want you to have it. <laughs> yeah. like, which again, I mean, Ron is such a hanger on here that it's, yeah. I mean, I understand that it's, it's probably court ordered or peacock ordered or whatever that Ron continue to be under their stead. But like, you know, at a certain point, the guy is just so reckless and we're about to see him be even more reckless again. Like, <coughs> yeah. Keep, keep him far, get a restraining order against him. Keep him far away from the Ghostbusters. What a strange world that he's turned into this this thorn in their side, but he's also still a, you know, a decent functioning ghostbuster. Yeah. Still, still part of the team kind of, even though they've sort of of banished him, uh, but the rest of his crew has, you know, they've kind of all spread out, right? Like, so, uh, one's returned to the FBI, but she still comes back as a ghostbuster from time to time. One is now a ghost living in their fire hall. Like it's just, what happened to the third one? There was uh, a third one, wasn't there? Well, at one point they teamed him with the the rookie because they sent him to Chicago, didn't they? So it was Ron yeah. and the rookie for a while. But when he started Ghost Smashers, that was part of his PR push. Was it was his, just him he and, three and women. Jenny and Melanie? Wasn't it just there was the a two third one? Was there? I don't know. I Time remember. to go back. If only there was like a hardcover bound edition by IDW <laughs> that I could just pull Which off the there shelf is, and, and read. It's just in a different room. Oh. <laughs> First world problems. Um, uh, uh, but yeah, it's it's, and I also did like it's ruined his voice for me. I know people are like it's Chevy Chase, and I'm like she shouldn't have called him Inspector Gadget then because I just. <laughs> but I'm laughing because I, in backing and forth, I think somebody made a comment about it. I commented on it. Dan jumped in and all this. And I know I know it's supposed to be Chevy Chase, but I also know why they they made the Burnham made the crack because I went looking for Inspector Gadget uh, gifts, and I'm like, yeah, he's got Inspector Gadget hair. That yeah, he does. That, so you hear wings. Don Adams's voice in that, like, yeah. I know I know that Dan is doing an exaggerated version of the ball cap, late seventies, early eighties 
wings that your hair yeah, does, yeah, it's sort right? of like seventy-five uh, Chevy Chase when he was on the first season of of SNL, kind of that yeah. that sort of look. But yeah, he's in the longer hair, but you wear a ball cap, and so it yeah. does that wing thing. And I know that's into the exaggerated thing, and then I'm like, oh, but it is so gadgety <laughs> now. Now that he's mentioned, it's like I just can't stop seeing. Uh, what'd you believe? Uh, yeah, <laughs> what'd you believe? <laughs> Missed it by that much. Please tell me, Burnham, that you've written that into the crossing over something because I'll be so disappointed otherwise. Oh, it would be. I mean, I'm, I'm sure they have so many moving parts. I would be impressed if they were able to get even those references. You know what? There's there, so much lead time. You've got it. I'm betting at least the last the third of the scripting six. to yeah. get that in there somewhere. Yeah. Okay. Like, do it for me, please. You owe me <laughs> after do it for Chris. Do it for breaking Chris. us over the. Stupid multiverse <laughs> labeling. Uh, well, so to uh, to bring things home here before we we jump into our our closing thoughts, closing uh, remarks here. Uh, I, I the annual one hundred percent recommend. If you have not already picked it up, or if you have picked it up and you haven't read it, make time. You have to do it, uh, especially leading into crossing over. It is such a great primer. Uh, it's a standalone story, so you don't have to like read it and then be like, ah, I'm just left in the lurch until when crossing over comes out. No, you're okay. You get a a good complete story out of this too. And rightly so out of 50 pages, you should. So, uh, pick, pick it up. And, uh, we want to hear from you guys. What were your thoughts on, uh, on the annual, on how it sets up crossing over on seeing all of the different ghostbusters, uh, appearing on Liberty Island. Uh, how did you react to that? Hit up that voicemail. Let us know what you guys think because we definitely want to hear from you. Don't wait another minute. Pick up your phone and call the professionals. Go, go, stoppers. I'm sorry. We'll do it again. We want to hear from you. Leave us a voicemail on our calling line at 470-242-4742. That's 4702-GBHQIC. We also have a Facebook page. You too. And Twitter accounts. Friends is dead. No kidding. Just give me the address. Search Facebook for... The Ghostbusters. Interdimensional crossroad. On Twitter, look for Troy at Ghostbusters HQ and Chris at Proton Charger. I just want to get back close again. What the hell are you doing? If you like what you hear, please take a moment to give us a review on iTunes. Be sure to recommend us to your friends. That makes good sense. Don't wait another minute. Pick up your phone and call the professional. Once again, our call-in line is 4702-GBHQIC. That ought to do it. Thanks very much, Ray. All right, Chris, uh, you said you, I mean, you had some final thoughts, uh, during our, our, uh, our bone marrow discussion, but, uh, what, what do you got for this week's episode? Am I allowed to think for a second? <laughs> yes, but only if I put a game show timer underneath you. Uh, okay. Uh, sure. Say when. And go. Uh... The password is final thoughts. <laughs> Word of the day is soup. <laughs> ah. Soup. That's <laughs> uh. oh, all right. It's been a long episode, so if you don't have anything, <clears throat> I, I don't will not really have a, you. Don't have a Ghostbuster specific one. Um, actually, I kind of had one that came up uh, yesterday. Um, our our favorite uh, por- 
portmanteau couple, uh, Crabigail, their uh, moving house, to which I immediately said, oh my god, that means you have to move capital the room. <laughs> um, and he said, oh my god, yes. And then all these people chimed in on Twitter going, oh my god, yeah. Like, it's just, oh. it, it never... Uh, yeah, <laughs> Craig and Abby are moving, but, and and Craig's like, "Oh, I'm only moving a, a mile away." But after all of the photos that the two of them post of their trophy room, of their collection yeah. room, yeah, that, that's quite an undertaking. That's they need like a curator to to do all of that. Yeah, I really, I really hope that they exercise some sort of uh, what is that? Uh, some of the Japanese, uh, the Japanese. Uh, clutter clearing woman that book she wrote i hope they kind of observe that for the rest of their house because <laughs> that room is maximum item dense. yeah they've like, got a every little item has to go in there yeah but there uh, were 20 plus mid-sized moving boxes in that room packed up with their with their uh, pop culture stuff oh my god and that all of that has to be picked up there is a reason for example that i went to canadian tire one day several years ago and dropped 80 bucks on a good uh trolley slash cart like those two-in-ones where you can yeah they like fold into a, a, a flat fold into cart. a cart yeah yeah there's a reason i invested in one of those because <laughs> just moving stuff around not even just moving from house to house although it was handy for that but sometimes i like stuff I'd need to take into work was a couple of boxes worth of stuff. And I was like, why? Help me move things. Yeah, that's. Uh, I do not yeah. envy them at this current There's point a, in time. But I still even mentioned that on here too. I'm. I'm look. I'm enjoying. I'm enjoying the secret studio walls down there, and I posted pictures for everybody and stuff like that. But even putting it up, I kind of knew there was a time limit on some of the stuff that was going up. That I was going. I will enjoy this, but I think. That it has a time limit, and that I'm going to I'm going to offload to thin it. it out a little bit. Yeah, yeah. And re- and and not and partly for space, but partly also just for clean collecting. Uh, you know, I'm not the Steve Sansweet of the. Um, <laughs> there are so, <laughs> except for Jeff, <laughs> all the Who stuff owns he keeps everything. Buying, everything. Yeah. Um, <laughs> there are uh, there. I don't think any. I mean, Steve Sandwich is such a weird outlet. I, I finally watched. I, there should have been my final thoughts as well. Maybe I got multiple final thoughts. I finally watched the uh, the the Toys That Made Us uh, series, the oh, first four episodes. Oh, okay. We'll save that. We'll we'll talk about that too. We'll talk about that those are, time. Those are Although great, I but... am watching it, going there is a strong case to be made for, if not real Ghostbusters, then at least the. Because they're doing stuff, and I didn't realize how short-lived stuff like He-Man and all that was, like in their little windows. Like they seem so iconic, and they are, but they reverberate yeah, beyond but their a timeline. Relatively but short amount of time. Yeah, GI Joe was like a four or five-year window. Same with He-Man, which is next to nothing. Um, so I'm like, when technically real Ghostbusters has to have a pretty good shot. Eighty-six to ninety-one, like. I, yeah, I would think once they they kind of I think the next ones are Transformers, Star Trek, and Lego. And but they're supposed like to be eight because their yeah. theme song has drilled it into our head that it's an eight part series. <laughs> they better <clears throat> keep to their word, but uh, or or if if not that, I can even see a one or two part on just Kenner because they're obviously uh, 
uh, running into um, um, the same handful of companies over and over. Like the eighties just yeah, had like the one, big three or four. Kenner, Kenner makes sense because it would be like Batman starting lineup, Ghostbusters, uh, God, all of their life. They did nothing but license Star properties. Wars, right? It, well, Star it, Wars it, is already in there kind of, but, but I know, but that's what I mean. You already have yeah. a jumping off point where you can do the telling of the company and be able to point to the one or two others. Like, cause remember Kenner acquired, uh, the GI Joe series right. yeah, in the middle of it sort of thing, right? Like you can actually kind of, you can actually get to a point and say, we've covered this in another episode, go back and watch it. And it has that, I didn't realize it, but it has that kind of tongue in cheek. Yeah. Like comic uh, book editor says, comic book go see editor episode says, four. Yeah, yeah. You can, you could do that, but, but then still do an hour or two, two hour, you know, two, one hour parts of, uh, uh just the run of Kenner where you can, touch on everything else and and they kind of did that like in one they kind of you know tried to touch on you know here are some of the you know uh silverhawks and all they tried to touch on all these other toy lines and just really couldn't get into it and i was like well you could kind of do two hours where you just talked about this one toy company that you know pumped out 50 percent of the of the things that uh but um why did I get off on that one? Uh, oh, the Steve Sansweet is in it for the Star Wars one, and his uh, Rancho Obi Wan is uh, uh, that one's a tough one to beat. And he yeah, cheated you too. Can't. He, he went to he went to work for was, he worked he worked for Lucasfilm as their head of uh, fan relations for twenty exactly. years. Yeah, <laughs> and I'm pretty I'm still is I'm I'm sure he's still on the list for getting oh, most it most gets stuff. two of everything. I'm sure. Yeah, absolutely. That's how he gets his money to drop you know absolutely. ten grand. Uh, 10, yeah. 10 grand on a prototype Boba Fett. <laughs> but anyway, um, you know, that, that uh, magazine that went out to uh, England there that had uh, five or six of us they featured with our collections and all that. I mean, we're not Steve Sansweet, but we have fairly sizable collections. And I'm, I, but I'm kind of like, I, I'm never going to be the, even Steve Sansweet technically is not the everything guy. Right, you, I, I don't think you could own everything for Star Wars. Oh, no, yeah. But he's making he a real good stab yeah. at it. Yeah. Whereas I'm going the other way, where I'm like, I see people like this, the Ghostbusters collectors, worldwide collectors, Facebook group, and people post their stuff, and I'm sitting there going, you know, people excitedly finding the uh, the cereal boxes, and I'm kind of like, you know, I, you know, I haven't checked in a while. I have six of them. Was that all of them? <laughs> Am I missing any? Like, or somebody posted that they got the glow in the dark frisbee that came in it, and I've started doing that with the Happy Meal stuff. And so I've I've stopped to myself, and I've been just kind of like, you know, I could probably make my life a lot easier uh, at some future point, <laughs> or at least make life easy on my relatives should I ever pass away when they have to deal with my crap in the basement. Um, but just kind of embracing the fact that yeah i'm not a real ghostbusters guy so why do i have that yeah. you know whatever that ecto 3 is or whatever that i have down there like uh you know like just acknowledge that my interests are in in only very particular areas <laughs> and then just and then focus on rounding them out right like i've done that in a couple things that aren't collectible areas but rather specific collectible items like the ghostbusters 2 silver coin that was one for a long time I really, really wanted, and it was not exactly a cheap thing to get, and finally got it. Or the Japanese ashtray, which was borderline a holy grail, and comes complete with, you know, uh, 
with Amazon shipping failures and stuff like that that were false starts <laughs> to actually owning one and uh, things like that and just you know I'd like I'd, I, it's 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 almost like a collector's garden I'd, I'd like to start yeah. tending to it and cultivating it in a direction so I know for a fact now that because of my interest in getting my hands on the Japanese the blue triangle patch that came out uh, for the first movie, getting the, the the ashtray that came out, and then all the the, the stuff the Milky uh, uh, sent when yeah, all the Japanese the call was stuff. coming out. Yeah. I'm sitting there going, well, you know, I can kind of see myself, you know, and and oh, other things too. Like I got the prior to that, I had gotten the first two movies, the Japanese. Uh, you know, those collectible magazines that you can get at the theaters. Like I have, I'm like uh, Ray Parker Jr., the Japanese edition 45. Like I, I sat down and I went, I, even before he started sending me the new stuff, I had a surprising amount of the older Japanese stuff. So then it occurred to me, and it's like, yeah, so, you know, why don't I own the Japanese poster and stuff like that? So, you know, so I got stuff down there and uh, I'll be sad to see them go. Like I have the, the ecto glow the run of the Ooh, figures yeah those are rare and they're beautiful and i love looking at them and i got them at a, uh, a very sweet price that felt dear at the time and they're worth much more than that now and i'm kind of like there's got to be people out there that i could give them a fairly decent deal and still i would come out way way ahead and could dump that back into you know other areas yeah, japanese or, stuff or um, you know, pick up whatever the next line of Playmobil is for Thomas to play with or something, right? Yeah, like, exactly. Exactly. We'll hit up, so. hit up Craig and Abby after they finish moving. Um, that's, I mean, as, as your friend, if you don't know what's in your collection, that's probably a good indicator that you should pair stuff back. Pair just some a stuff, little bit. Stuff if you've forgotten, yeah. you have things in your collection, but, um, I never forget. It's just, it's hard to hold it all in your head at, in one single image. Uh, so, yeah, well, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's cool to see everybody's collections. I love seeing that. And, and we poke fun at Craig and Abby, but, uh, I always love their photos of their toy room. I'm just jealous and that's why I make fun of them. But <laughs> I know. Um, I wish, I wish I, oh God, I wish, wish you in my twenties because, um, the gentleman that runs the art of the real ghostbusters was, uh, unloading some of the oh, unique yeah, stuff. He, he had, had such great stuff too. I mean, the proof cards signed proof. Oh, cards. yeah, there's good stuff. So, I mean, but you can see how this sickness gets out of hand because I have these ecto glows and they're beautiful and they're wonderful. But I'm looking at them going, but I'm not a real Ghostbusters guy. I got them because at the time I wasn't really quite sure, and I, they were the rarest of the rare, and it was a good price, and I picked them up. And then I noticed in his thing, he's like, "You got 700 bucks." I've got the proof cards. I was like, "Oh, that'd be no." What are you? <laughs> Shut up! I brain. must have it. Stupid! You know, <laughs> yesterday you were thinking about getting rid of the figures. You, know, you don't need the proofs, the yeah. But uh, uh, but anyway, yeah. So um, so and and to circle back uh, to our good friends uh, Craig and Abby and Jake, uh, the Yes Have Some podcast, the 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 small podcast that they started has grown to immense proportions. I know that they are really enjoying a, a surge in their uh, listenership, and, uh-huh. and they're doing a lot of really great shows. So uh, if 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 it's not abundantly clear, we are we're good friends with those guys, and we love their show, and and hopefully the feeling is mutual. So uh, hit hit up yes, have some. They're all over the place, and they do good shows, especially if you're into Jurassic Park and horror and 
Star Wars and uh, no subject is is verboten there. So uh, check check out yes have some. But uh, all right, well our particular little podcast that could is running a little long once again <laughs> this week. So we're going to just keep talking. <laughs> we're going to bring this one to a close. But uh, until next week, everybody, we'll see you on the other side. Who you gonna call? We Thanks for joining the Ghostbusters Interdimensional CrossRip. Visit us at ProtonCharging.com, GhostbustersHQ.net, and StillPlayingWithToys.net. You used to be one of my two favorite shows. You're kidding me. Oh, great. What was the other one? Bassmasters. It's a fishing show. Everything you're doing is bad. You truly scare me. I want you to love it. Next week, though, Careless Pets. Weird.